Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We live in a culture that is obsessed with this idea called surviving, right? Do you, how many of y'all have ever watched that show called Survival? Survivor. Survival? Oh, it's Survivor. That shows you how many times that I've watched it. It's, it's called Survivor. And so I thought it was Survival. So that's how, that's how in tune with the culture I am. So a couple of years ago, our daughter, our six, beautiful 16-year-old daughter, uh, went and, and to, this, to this dentist in Arlington. And the, the dentist on his sign orthodontist, sorry, orthodontist, the other kind of people that work on teeth. And uh, there was a sign on there and it looked like the survivor logo and, but it had his name on there. And I was like, so what's the deal? So come to find out this guy was like on season five or something in the early days. And so he's built this brand and this business because he was on survivor. So people know who he is. How many of y'all have watched that show? Like, I think it's like, isn't it like the longest running TV show, like 34 seasons or something uh, crazy like that. But anyway, the reason why people like that is because we like this idea of, of can I survive in a precarious situation? So Leslie and I binged this show called Alone. Not a loner, but alone. And on alone, it was this guy, these guys that were living, I want to say it was in Alaska somewhere, like deep in the middle, and they just dropped them off, and they give them a, a few tools. And how long can they survive in the wild with just a, just a, a few things, right? A few essential things. And, I, and we're so obsessed with this thing, right? We've even made statements like, well, I'm a survivor, right? There's songs about it. I'm a survivor. So we got to, there it is again. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm sign, sign me up, sign me up. And so... We've got this, this 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 fascination with with can I survive? I, I've always had a dream that that I could jump on a train with like a hundred bucks in my pocket and just like a hobo and go wherever it'll take me, and then just get there and work my way back home. It's just something I've always wanted to do, like most of my life. Why? Because I want to know can I survive if I'm in a in a difficult situation? Can I make it, or will I need to pull out my phone and make that phone call? Right. And so we're obsessed with this thing uh, called surviving. But can I tell you today that God didn't call you to be a survivor in the sense of that you just sustain life. God didn't design you to sustain life, but to bring life. This is what God designed you. When, when God created man and he placed him in the garden, he gave him a mandate, right? Which is this Genesis 128. God blessed them. Come on, before he told them to do anything, he blessed them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number or be fruitful and multiply. It wasn't, hey, just be good, be safe, be blessed and all is good. No, no, he said, I want you to expand all that I've given you. So when God gives you something, it's poor stewardship is this, taking care of it, just taking care of it. That's poor stewardship. Good stewardship is stewarding it in a way where you grow what God has given you. And so when God has given you life, he's called you to be fruitful and multiply. That doesn't mean just have babies. That means that the life that he's given you, that you steward it in such a way that you're able to give life away. But we live in a culture that says my life is dependent upon everybody else giving me something. Everybody else giving me compliments. Everybody else paying my bills. 
and we get into this mindset of lack and survival, but God didn't design you to sustain life, but to bring life. Jesus said, John 7:38, our theme verse for our church, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. It starts here and it pours out. Yes. When you drink of Jesus, the river takes over. So Jesus didn't die to simply give you a life or to give you a, a get out of hell free card or to give you a, a happy life. Listen, our purpose isn't survival, it's revival. It is your purpose. Your purpose is revival. It's not for you to survive and get by and at the end of your life and have a lot of, have a lot of stuff and have a bigger house. No, no, no. The, the point of your life is to give your life away. Yes. It's to live a life that, that is enriching those that are around you. I'll encourage you, beloved, get out of the surviving mindset. That is a, we would call it in the kingdom, that is a poverty mindset. Then it's like, if I can just make it through another day, Lord, just get me through today. Lord, just be my strength today. First of all, he doesn't, he did, he doesn't, he doesn't want to give you strength. He wants to be your strength and he wants to be your strength so you can give your life away. So our purpose isn't survival. It's revival. And he came to get you in. Revival is his plan. And he came to get his plan into you. Some of the people say, well, I want to know God's will for my life. You know how you know God's will for your life? Your life for God's will. There you go. <laughs> it's not God's plan for your life. It's your life for God's plan. We're going we're gonna to spend a series about this and uh, spend a series on this in June called The Great Adventure. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. And and, and we, we live in this, this thing that says, well, the, the devil's just coming to, to rob me of my joy. And, and he's, he's just, he's trying to make me sad. Give me the sads, right? <laughs> we we kind of have this thing that this is, listen, does the enemy do all those things? Absolutely. But his mission isn't that. His mission is, is to distract you from your purpose. And your purpose is revival. His, 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 his intention is to get you so focused on yourself. And this is, this is the voice of the culture. Focus on you. Be the best you. Listen, if, the point, if it ends at you, then you've missed it. Right. You've missed your purpose. Right. Your purpose isn't about you. It's about God moving through you to the nations. This is revival. This is revival. When I say revival, you, think, I, I th you, you might think old you know, Pentecostal preachers and tents and all this kind of stuff. Revival is not a series of meetings. Revival is a lifestyle, and God wants you in on that lifestyle. Come on. So the enemy is not trying to rob you of your joy. He's wanting to distract you of your purpose. Elijah. Let's talk about Elijah. First Kings chapter 17. You guys know Elijah, right? Y'all quiet today. You're going to have to help me. Come on. Mm -hmm. All right. So... First Kings 17, I'm going to tell you the story and then we'll, then we'll read the part I want to get to. So in First Kings 17, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and he says, listen, drought's going to hit the land. So he's like, okay. So he goes and tells the king, so maybe the king can have a plan. And then God then the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and he says, I've got a place for you. It's this river. I want you to go camp out by this river and I'm going to send the ravens to feed you. That's gross. You're going you're gonna to drink from a river, and birds are going to feed you. We don't know where the meat's coming from. It's just going to show up. But if you want to survive, you're going to have to eat whatever the Lord provides. 
And so the word of the Lord told him to do this. Well, eventually, because they're a drought, the brook dries up. And so the word of the Lord comes. Listen, if you will learn to follow the word of the Lord, he will always provide for you. And so the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and he says, listen, I want you to go to this uh, town called Zarephath. And there's a, there's a widow there. Here's another widow in our series. He says, there's a widow there and I want you to go. And she, and I've, I've provided her to provide for you. And so he goes to this widow and he's like, Hey, he says, she meets him kind of outside of town and there she is. And he says, Hey, I'm, I'm hungry. Give me something to eat. And she says, well, sir, she's like, I'm collecting the last little remnants of, of whatever I can. So I can go home and make some bread. Got a little bit of oil at home. Going to make some bread and my son and I are going to eat that bread. Then we're going to die. <laughs> Optimistic, right? So he's, he's like, okay. And he's like, he's like, well, feed me some bread. How selfish. No, no. He had the word of the Lord that she was going to provide from him. So he said, you feed me, you take care of me. And what's going to happen is God will take care of you. And so he goes in, he follows this woman to her house. She makes him some bread and they eat the bread. And it says this, that they never ran out of flour. They never ran out of oil until the drought was over. And what, what was happening? He was just following the word of the Lord. He was following the spirit of God into this scenario. So these miracles are following him all around in the midst of drought. And it says, and where we're picking up right here in verse 17, 1 Kings 17, 17, sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house, now he, they had this house, this house that had an upper room in it, and Elijah was actually living there. And when he had come to town, he would spend time there and she would take care of him because she knew she took care of him that her provisions were going to be there. So sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. Now get this, she is a widow. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that there was another widow that had a son. So this is, there's, there's a lot that's going to happen if she loses her son. But it says that her son became ill and he grew probably from eating like drinking water from a brook or something. (laughs) Probably not. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? How many of y'all have ever said that? Lord, are you here to remind me of my sin and kill me? Right? This is, this is kind of the mindset. Verse 19. Give me your son. Give me your son, Elijah replied. And he took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and he laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord. My God, why have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord. Oh Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him from the room into the house. And he gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said, Elijah, now I know that you're a man of God. And that the word of the Lord from your mouth is true. Listen, this son didn't just get revived. 
the widow got revived. She had enough before to believe God. She saw the miracles. The miracles were playing inside. But her faith, because of what happened, her situation, her circumstance, her son, she lost faith. But God said, I'm going to show you by my goodness and by my grace, I'm going to revive that son and you will have faith again. Listen, I'm declaring this word to you today. Ask for another miracle. Maybe God showed up in the past, but you don't feel like he's here right now. Ask again. Ask for something else. Ask the Lord to reveal himself and trust him. And I believe the Lord is going to renew some of those things in your life. Listen, we, we have this backwards mindset that God is like putting us through something to teach us something and to just refine us. And there's not, listen, trials do enough teaching of their own. God's not sitting there pointing at us and angry at us when we're going through the trial. He wants to answer us. He wants to reveal his grace. So let's talk about releasing revival. Releasing revival. Somebody say, I'm releasing revival. Releasing revival. The, the, the first thing is this, is that revival is already in you. Have you ever been, I, I pray this prayer all the time. Lord, send revival. Am I the only one that ever prays that? I pray it all the time. I pray it like on the daily. Lord, send revival. But did you know what? Revival's already in me. Yeah. So when I say, Lord, send revival, I'm saying, Lord, send me because revival's in me. Do something in me. See, the the word of the Lord that was in Elijah was was already there. He was following the word of the Lord. What does Jesus say about his word? He said, my words are spirit and they are truth. So when the, listen, the spirit of God is upon the word of God to accomplish the word of God. Do, do you get this? We, we, we tend to separate the word from the spirit. Right? Well, we're a, we're a spirit church or we're a word church, right? Have you guys ever heard that? No, no, no. The, the word and the spirit work together. The word without the spirit is harsh and doesn't do any good. The spirit without the word is not the spirit. I mean, it's a spirit, but it's not the spirit. His words are spirit and life. So the same spirit of God that was in Elijah to hear the word of the Lord, to know about the drought, was the same word of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord on the word of the Lord to send him to this place, to this oasis in the midst of a desert to be fed by ravens. And I think God was good enough to not give him some rotten carcass. (laughs) Come on. I think he was given choice meat from those ravens. Still kind of gross, but okay. It's the same spirit that led him away from that whenever that brook dried up. To lead him to this widow. To provide bread for her. The same spirit that was doing that all along was the same spirit that went into that young boy and resurrected him. And I want you to get this, beloved. The same Spirit of God that went into you, that captured your heart, that you said, I need to give my life to Jesus. The same Spirit that did that, that redeemed you, that saved you, that set you free, that convicted you of your sin. The same Spirit will bring revival to those around you. Yeah. 
You don't need more Holy Spirit. You already got him. What you need to do is you need to release the Holy Spirit that's already in you. Then you start to see the increase. Then you start to see revival come. See, revival is not a series of gatherings. And we're going to have gatherings on Pentecost Sunday and Saturday, then two weeks, two weeks from yesterday, we're going to have a Pentecost Saturday. And then on Sunday, we're going to have a Pentecost Sunday. Like we're going to like, we're going to go for it. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to show up and God's going to move. You're going to bring sick people and they're going to get healed that Saturday night at 5 PM and that Sunday morning. It's going to be awesome. You just go ahead and cancel your plans and get here. So we're going to have the meetings, but revival is not about meetings. Revival is not about a place. Revival is not about a time. Revival is a lifestyle. Revival happens as we are empowered by the spirit and we release heaven on earth. That's what revival is. Revival is heaven being unlocked. What did God give Peter? What did Jesus give Peter? I give you the keys of the kingdom. kingdom. The kingdom, the absolute dominion. Peter, you got the keys. Beloved, you got the keys of the kingdom. You get to unlock healing on the earth. You get to. Well, I'm afraid if I pray someone, they, they won't get healed. A hundred percent of the people you don't pray for won't get healed. A hundred percent of the people that you won't try to encourage won't get encouraged. God, do something. Do something. He's saying, I will. Go ahead. Do it. You're saying, we're saying, God, do something. And he's saying, do something. I've given you the Holy Spirit. Be fruitful and multiply. Here you go. Go for it. I put it all in your genetic code. When you were redeemed by Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit, he put it in your new genetic code to declare and demons flee at the name of Jesus. Not because you have a magic word, but because you got the Holy Ghost inside of you that carries all the authority of heaven. Yes. Where demons got to leave and disease has to leave. Yes. It's already in you. Yes. Well, how do I see it happen? You obey. Amen. What if what we're asking God for is already here? What if it's already here? And we're asking and the Lord's going, yeah, yeah. Lord, send revival. Yeah. Send it. Bring it. Come on. Luke chapter 17. Y'all okay today? Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come from your careful observation. (laughs) Other words, the kingdom isn't coming because you're being a good boy, a good little Pharisee, a good little law keeper, good little temple keeper. Normal people say, here it is, or there it is, and that's what we do with the revival. There it is, it's revival. Don't call it a revival. It might not be a revival. Then he says this. Don't say it's here or there. Because the kingdom of God is within you. The king's dominion. The dominion, what we sing about. You reign above it all. All of it. The kingdom is in you. Why? Because the spirit of God is in you. And if the spirit of God who rules over all is in you, you have authority. Remember what Jesus did to the disciples? He 
I have all authority. See, he goes, no, I give you, I send you. I have all authority. Therefore, go. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. I got all the authority. Therefore, go. So do we have all the authority or does Jesus have all the authority? He has all the authority, but we are acting with his authority because he put his spirit in us. He put the Holy Ghost in you, not just to save you. That's awesome. But what did he save you for? For his purposes, for his revival. Listen, God's been moving on the earth for 2000 years. Get in on it. Get in on the revival. We've been in revival for 2,000 years. It doesn't look like it's been revival. You know why? Because we thought, well, that person's anointed, and that person's anointed, or this season's coming. And listen, there are special seasons. I'm not saying that. There are special times and special places. There have been those things historically. Absolutely. But I think it's just happened because I believe this, that it's just because those people said yes. And there's something that happened in an upper room 2,000 years ago. And something happened when 120 people, I love it, that our auditorium, the the room that you're sitting in right now, we just need a few more seats full for there to be 120 in this room because there's 120 chairs in here. And I believe, I believe this. I believe 120 people changed the earth then. I believe 120 people changed the earth now. He can definitely change your family. He can definitely change your, your place of employment. He can definitely give us a building. (laughs) that's easy the hard part is us believing it do you believe it beloved that revival is in you Romans 8 listen resurrection in our veins Romans 8 11 the spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead lives in you he didn't visit you he didn't show up one time to convict you of your sin and then take off. Yeah. <laughs> it was, wasn't like the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon the prophet, spoke to him, bye, I'll see you next time. Not in the New Covenant. In the New Covenant, he gave us a new heart, a capacity to be able to have the Spirit of God actually live in us, to dwell in us, to remain in us. I'm just preaching today. Just as God raised Christ, so the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies. Your broke down body. (laughs) I'm like, Lord, I need that one. Some days, right? What is that? That's never hurt before. (laughs) It hasn't stopped hurting. Anybody can relate to that? Why is it still hurting? That stuff used to hurt for 10 minutes. Now it's like it's been 10 years. You get life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. So revival's already in you. Number two, take responsibility. I love that Elijah goes to the widow. She's accusing him. I mean, shouldn't he have just, she's so toxic. He should have left the house. No, he looks at her and he says, give me your son. Give him, I will, I will make sure something happens. I will take responsibility. Listen, God wants revival on the earth, but he wants us to bring it. We must take responsibility. Man, I know all these, listen, I am a charismatic through and through, like through and through. This is 1993. I should get a shirt that says that. Charismatics. It's 1993. <laughs> Pentecostals. I am through and through. 
Holy Ghost, Pentecostal, spirit-filled, charismatic. Through. But one of the things that charismatics do is we get goofy. And we think, well, I got to go to this city to experience revival. I'm going to go to Toronto, or I'm going to go to Brownsville, or I'm going to go to... Azusa now or what I got to go to an event listen I love those events I've gone to some of those events but you don't have to go to those events to experience revival you just got to take responsibility and say if revival is going to happen it's going to happen through me and it can't just be the pastor that says that it's got to be a room it's got to be a company of people that say yes Lord, I want revival in Grand Prairie. I want revival in Oak Cliff. I want revival in Arlington. I want revival in Mansfield. I want it, Lord. Do it through me. Start with me. Start with my family. Start in my class. Start at my job. Take responsibility. God moves when his people respond in stewardship to to what he has moved them with. Revival is our responsibility. It's not on God, it's on us. Revival is our responsibility. You guys know revival means going from death to life. That's, that's what it means. This whole series, from death to life. It's reviving. Revival is our responsibility. It's not the preacher's responsibility, it's not the prophet's responsibility. It's our responsibility. People that have the spirit of God within them. Number three, it starts in an upper room. Not not the not the playlist. An actual upper room. Yeah. Verse nineteen. Who took him from her arms? Him from her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying. (laughs) It wasn't just an upper room. That, he, that, that, that was just there and he only used to resurrect bodies. No, it was a place that he was familiar with. It was a place that he had encountered the Lord time after time after time again. How many know that God has never stopped using an upper room? He's never stopped using a place of prayer. We see it in, in, in Acts. We see it here with Elijah. We see that God says, I want to kiss people with my presence. But you need to find a place that you go away to, that you get alone, that you meet with God and you experience his power. This is where he was staying. He knew, listen, for Elijah, the most powerful place wasn't out at the brook because the brook had dried up. The most powerful place is the place that the Lord provided for him in this house where Elijah went and he spent time with God every day. He said, I know where to take this child. I know to take him to the upper room because that's where the power of God falls. Where is your upper room? Where's your upper room? You want revival? Where's your upper room? Oh man, I just struggle to pray. Don't expect to have revival. We all struggle to pray. But until you just make a place and say, this is my upper room. My upper room is my recliner. That's why if you come over to group at our house and you sit on my recliner, you fall out in the Holy Ghost. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I've prayed for some bed, dead bodies in that chair. I've prayed for some dead dreams in that chair. I've prayed for some dead wombs in that chair. I've seen them come alive. 
I've seen some dead dreams. Come. Some of the dead dreams of me have come alive in that chair because I have an upper room. I have a place where I can go and meet with God. Do you have a place where you can go and meet with God? I'm not talking about you just driving down the road and play a, play a K-Love playlist and then get feeling positive and encouraged. I'm talking about a place where you can go and get away from your phone and get away with your distractions and say, God, I want to experience your power. Get it out of me. I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm excited. Number four, revival costs us our comfort. He stretched himself out on the boy. When I read that, I don't read he stretched himself out on the boy. I, I read he res- stretches himself out on a dead boy. It's a dead body. That's strange. And get this. Under the law, the priesthood especially, but I would think prophets would probably honor some of these standards that says you don't touch dead bodies. I mean, this is a great way for Elijah to get excommunicated from the community of faith. For the way the kingdom works, with all the legalism, surely they're imposing that on everybody by this time. That's just what legalism does. So I believe if anybody would have found out that he touched a dead body, he's, he's in trouble now. Stretches himself out. On a dead body. Strange. Eye to eye, heart to heart. Face to face, placing his face on that cold, dead boy. The dead boy that he probably played with outside with rocks and sticks. I mean, just just this dead boy. He stretches himself out. He lays on him and stretches himself out. Listen, you have got to start getting away from the things that you are comfortable with and thinking that revival is going to happen in the midst of your comfort. It is not comfortable crawling upon dead bodies and calling them to come to life. There's nothing comfortable about that. See, you're different, beloved. You're different. You're not going to do what's comfortable. You're not going to do what's ordinary. You know why? Because you want revival. No, you're going to stretch yourself out on something that's ugly and dead and broken and hurting and stinky starting to sit in. You're willing to do it. Why? Because you want revival. But until you say, I'm willing to stretch myself, I'm willing to kind of go to some places that might make me feel a little bit uncomfortable, have some conversations that might make me feel uncomfortable, to lay hands on somebody when I really highly doubt that God's going to heal them in that moment. But I'll stretch myself. And if you stretch yourself, I believe that you're going to see a miracle. You're willing to do what nobody else will do. Because you want to see what nobody else has seen. And this is what happens when we release revival. We've got to be willing to stretch ourselves. Get out of your comfort zone. When is the last time you stretched yourself out on a dead thing? When's the last time you've got uncomfortable before God so that God would use you? We are so obsessed with comfort. I mean, I'm like burning up right now. It's like 70 degrees in here. Right? 
I'm just like, oh, I'm so bad. Oh. Well, what do we do? You know what we do when we get, get uncomfortable? We emulate the world. We complain about it. I mean, it's very uncomfortable pulling up to a gas station right now. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I am prophesying to that pump. Come down. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Shut up. You know, I'm praying on it. Decrease. <laughs> All right. Come on. Seriously. Are we, are we willing to, to kind of just embrace the uncomfortable and say, you know what? I'm, I'm here for it. Whatever it takes to see God, see God bring life to America. Whatever it takes God to, for you to bring life to my loved one that I've been believing for. Whatever it takes, God. I'm willing to stretch myself. I'm willing to do what it, whatever extents, whatever, whatever it costs, which is the next, which is that point, costs us our comfort. Whatever it costs. Whatever it costs, God, I'm willing to pay it. Number five, consistency counts. He doesn't just stretch himself out one time. Three times. I'm convinced if it took 50 times, he would have done it 50 times. Because Elijah knew that consistency counts. Three times. See, doing something uncomfortable once might not help. But if you do things God's way long enough, against, eventually you'll see God's presence. If you just do it long enough, do the right thing, do it God's way enough times, you will see the faithfulness of God. Just be obedient. Just be obedient. Man, I, it's not working. How long did you try? Three weeks. Wow. I know. Listen, I get it. There's... there's there's more things that, that I've failed at than I've succeeded at. Way more. But how many of those things would I have been successful at if I would have just given it another shot? Yeah. If I would have just tried again? If I would have just been faithful again? Come on. Don't stop at two. Come on. And some of you have stopped at two. Uh, you know, I was praying. I was praying every day, just like the pastor said. I got up in the morning. I, get my, I set my alarm clock 15 minutes early, and I went, and I prayed. It was so hard. But I didn't expect Nothing changed. Pray again. I did pray. You know how many times I hear that? A miracle breakthrough doesn't happen. They go, well, I did that. I tried that. That's the problem. You tried it. You didn't develop a lifestyle. Consistency counts. Listen, you, you can give, as a pastor, let me tell you this. You can give me the most gifted people. I don't even care. I'm so done with gifted people. You know what I want? I want faithful people. That's what I want. I want just what God wants, faithful people. Because gifted people oftentimes know they're gifted people. And guess what? They don't get to get used. Because they're leaning on their gift. And God's going, I just want you to be faithful. Faithful. Faithful people are fruitful people. Faithful people are fruitful people. And so faithful, yeah, how long does it take, Pastor? How long does it, as long as it takes. If it's the rest of your life, if, you're, if you've got an illness in your body, if you've got a disease in your body, you pray every day. Yeah. Every day for your healing. Listen, I know it's discouraging. Call me up. Text me. Tell me, please pray for me today. I'm believing for my healing. I'm going to pray with you. You know how long I'm going to pray for you? Until you get healed. Until, you, until we die or until you get healed, I'm going to pray with you. Because consistency counts. 
No prayers are wasted. No prayers are wasted. Matthew 7, 7, I keep on asking, you'll receive. Will you ask for? Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. See, we need lifestyle revivalist. Not, 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 not fad revivalist. Not social media revivalist. When they stop getting views, they stop doing it. <laughs> Do it. Have, have, listen, have revival on Instagram. Do it. I'm, I'm all about it. Whatever it is. Don't stop it, too. What if Elijah would stop answers? Man, Lord, you should let me straight upper room. Okay, I get that. All right, I tried that. All right, Lord, I'm going to go over here and pray. The Lord touched his body over there. Get on, get again. Get on that body, that dead body, that dead thing. Get on it again and pray again. Consistency counts. Number six, it comes with a cry. It comes with a cry. Listen, you can say what you want. I'm so done with silent prayers. Yeah. I'm just praying. That means that you thought about it. That's what people mean. The prayers are thoughts. We did a series last year called Our Father. We, we talk about this, right? Prayers are not thoughts. Thoughts should lead to prayers. Prayers will change thoughts. But thoughts aren't prayers. And I'm not saying that you can't pray in the spirit and, and quietly. You can't. I do it every day. I do it when I go to bed. I do it when I wake up. I'm praying in the spirit when I wake up. Just kind of not in the spirit, like, but, but praying like, I mean, I do that too every day. But, but in the morning when I wake up, I'm like, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you're good today. Thank you that you're kind. You're merciful. I thank you, Lord. Just my eyes are still closed, right? And I'm getting out of bed. I, I do that. But listen, the Lord wants to hear your cries. The Lord wants to hear your cries and revival comes with the cry. What is your cry? What are you believing God for? What is your cry? What is, what is the thing that is, that is deep within you? The thing that is burning in you? The thing that you're just, you're just longing for? Cry again. Yes. Cry again, man. I, I can't tell you how many times that I've prayed, drove around this city and prayed for a building. Oh man, I'm exhausted. I'm just being honest with you. I'm so tired of praying for a building. We've been praying for a building, what, four year, three or four years now. I'm like, man, Lord, am I going to really have to pray three more years? I'm just going to keep praying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to keep praying. It comes with a cry. I'll keep crying out to God. What do you believe in God for? Are you willing to get in the upper room, to get uncomfortable, to sell out? To go after what God's put in your heart. And not just something that will, that will help you, but that will revive the atmosphere around you.